Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 10th episode of the Pixel Play podcast. The podcast where two grown-ass men t- talk about all the big news stories, the things they love, the things they hate about the gaming industry. And I'm live, by host- the way. And live this week, yes. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined, as always, by my co-host, Adam, CS Radical. Yeah. Adam, how are you doing today? I am doing kind of okay. <laughs> all right. Just kind of? Is it because is it of the Fall Guys? Well, it's also Fall Guys, but it's only Tuesday, as, as it is every week on the show. And that just reminds <laughs> me that I have three more days of work left, which is not the most pleasant thing. So I, I guess you just deal. I had the worst Tuesday morning ever this morning. I got up and it was one of those like, how is it only Tuesday? Like, this feels like I'm already at Wednesday and I'm just starting Tuesday. So I know exactly how you feel. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Pixel Play Podcast, we are a gaming podcast. We typically uh, release new episodes on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, or on YouTube on Wednesdays. We typically record on Tuesdays, and because it's our 10th episode, we decided we are going to be doing it live. Uh, So, those of you who are joining us on twitch.tv forward slash csradical, thank you for joining us. Uh, And I'm sorry in advance. We're figuring this out as we go. We know exactly what... (laughs) They know what they're getting into. This isn't high production yet. We're still uh, we're still learning our chops here. So, uh, and if you guys are audio listeners, if you guys are listening to this late, uh, welcome. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're new here and you want to hear more, we have a bunch of episodes on our pages. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, subscribe, hit the like button, tell your friends. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, we do this every week, and this is the first time we've actually done it live, and it's going really well. Uh, Adam, I want to give you credit. The background looks amazing the audio visual looks amazing i could not have done this by myself so i really appreciate it and well done to you sir i have to i have 10 years of useless training of this so i guess i might as well use it for something hey you know what it's working so totally go with it um in this episode guys we're going to be talking about the closure or suspected closure of the ps3 ps vita and the psp store we're going to be talking about a new switch model that's been rumored and a rumor about uh, Microsoft possibly buying Discord. Um, all that and more. But yeah, Adam, where do you want to start with this one? I mean, it's all it's all mostly depressing. Why don't we just go with the big one and just talk about all the other uh, games we might be losing? All right, let's do that. So uh, yeah, this week, earlier this week, uh, the website, uh, thegamer.com, posted an article by Kirk McKeon, um, and it's talking about the possibility of the PlayStation 3, PS Vita, and the PSP store being discontinued. So uh, I'm just going to give you a snippet of the article. According to a source familiar with the situation and verified by the gamer, the stores are due to close down uh, from July. The announcement is planned for the end of this month, which I guess will be next week. Uh, PSPs and PS3 stores are to be closed on July 2nd, while the PS Vita store will stay open until August 27th. After those dates, you will no longer be able to purchase digital copies of the game or DLC for any of the Sony consoles mentioned. The closure of the PlayStation Store presents uh, more of an issue for PS Vita users, though, considering how many of the platform's notable games were indie developed and sold exclusively online. Now, one thing just to kind of talk about is that they haven't confirmed, and it sounds as though that the games that you've purchased will still be available. It's just the store itself. will be closed, so you won't be able to purchase anything else. Um, Adam, do you think that this? What do you think the chances of this report being true are? I mean, given that we're talking about a two-generational console and a bunch of handhelds that, quite frankly, haven't had any love in in North America in like 
three, four years, I'm not shocked at all. And in fact, this mm-hmm. is kind of an inevitability that I think a lot of us just never thought was going to happen. We didn't want to have the conversation about these stores shutting down, but the reality is, is they were going to shut down at some point, maybe earlier than some people were hoping for, but this is the inevitability with digital storefronts. So at some point this is going to happen. Now it just becomes a matter of what happens after. Yeah, I, I'm of the same mind that I think the store will shut down. I don't know if it's going to happen. It might actually happen this summer, but I don't think we're going to get an announcement this week. I have a hard time imagining that Sony's just going to come out and be like, hey, we're shutting down the store without having some sort of other good news kind of story to kind of take out, like to kind of soften the blow or something like that. So I think, yeah, I think it's something that we mentally have to prepare that at some point the store will go down. But I don't know if it's going to happen as soon as they're saying. I think there's also been a little bit of backlash about this. Sony might be kind of saying like, oh, we need to pump the brakes and find a a solution about this. Well, there's an interesting Um, rumor that connects it that goes that Sony may have filed a patent about how to uh, award trophies through emulation. So hmm. people are starting to speculate that maybe what's happening is that since the digital storefronts are going down, Sony may be finding a way to emulate on, say, the PS5, for example, so that at least the games aren't completely lost. Although my brain would just say... If they're getting rid of the digital storefronts, would that not mean that the likelihood of emulation is not happening? Because that means they're not putting those games on stores either. So I don't, I'm not really sure what the plan is, if there is one at all. But it, I could just see Sony being like, well, we're not making any money off of this service anymore. We're probably spending more keeping these games online than we are making money from people buying them. So, Because realistically speaking, like, let's just talk PS3 alone. <clears throat> if you own a PS3 still and you're playing it still... There are one of two things going on here. You either already have all the games you're do, you ha- you want, so you're playing for nostalgia purposes, or two, you don't have a lot of money, which means you're likely not buying a lot of games either. So aside from collectors, how many people are even buying the physical copies, let alone digital? Yeah, I think I think there's probably a little bit more of a market. It's hard to say. Like I'd say, probably your your biggest PS3 users would probably still be in like um, developing countries and stuff. They might still be using. That's I don't true know what well, the infrastructure. Yeah. But I don't know what the infrastructure is like that they're going to be downloading games and doing the whole digital collection of games. So I don't really know if that's a, a case to be made. Like, it's something that they're going to have to, to wrestle with. I mean, how much do you think it costs to run this store versus what they're getting in, in sales? Like, I don't imagine there's, I haven't heard anyone talk about, oh, you got to get this PS3 game. Well, but um, I mean, realistically, most- even if they're making like some money, any any like not major amounts of money doesn't look anywhere good to, to shareholders. So I guarantee you, like they could even look at it and be like, oh, we're making about 50 grand a month still on our PS3 store. They probably go, well, that's not good enough. No one's going to care about that. Let's just shut it down, not have to think about it. And then we'll worry about collecting that money somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, there it's not it's not free to run a server. You're going to have downtime and maintenance and cooling and everything. So there is a definite cost that they have to justify. So. I think this does kind of make us all question and realize, you know, with digital games, you know, we may not have them indefinitely or have access to them indefinitely. I know they're saying right now that they're, that if you bought it, you still have access, but what does that look like? How long do those? Well, the other thing too is like, can you still download it if it's not on your, if it's not already on your hard drive? That's the question, right? Yeah. The impression I have is that it currently is, but I mean, if I, if we're looking like, let's say 20 years down the road from now, PS3 is 30 years old. If I wanted to go and download a game I bought, can I still do that? I mean, I know that- that's predicated even if Sony still is running, right? Because that's well, the thing I mean, that we saw. That's the thing that we always worried about with Stadia. Say if Stadia ever shuts down, like you lose all those games if it's if it's streaming. 
Like you lose yeah. all that money you spent. So it yeah. just kind of comes into play with that, where it's like if Sony just up and folded their PlayStation like company altogether. If if the PlayStation brand was completely shut down, let's say some crazy thing happens to Sony, it's all gone. Like anything digitally you have, if it's not already on your hard drive, it's gone. And then once your hard drive goes, that's it. It's done. Yeah. So exactly. that's the, that's the problem with digital. It's it's the convenience factor on the pro side, but then there's the realities like we're finding out here with the storefronts being shut down. That is that weird. But this will happen part of digital media that people kind of seem to forget until it happens. Yeah, I mean, if you look at even just examples that we currently have, I mean, if you look at something like um, like PT when that came out, like now you can't get it. And the only people that have it are the ones that have it on their hard drive. Um, it also raises the question, like something like um, Microsoft, you know, if I bought Fallout New Vegas digitally, do I get to have access to it and keep it? Or does, can Microsoft decide, nah, you guys aren't hosting it on your servers anymore? There's a lot of skepticism I have when it comes to, to digital copies. Um, I generally am a physical gaming person. So like I like buying my discs and having them, even if I can't update them indefinitely or whatever, and I have to play like the original version, it's still better that I can do that. At least I have that game in my collection and I can open it, you know, 10, 20 years from now if I want to. Uh, Adam, where do you fall in the whole digital versus physical gaming I mean, I lean mostly digital now just because, well, we're in a pandemic. I didn't really feel like going out of my house to get stuff. I don't know what if that'll ch- how much it'll change once we're back to normal. Like, I might get digital or not digital, um, physical copies if there's like if if I can get it if I can get a copy off of Amazon or EV Games for like twenty bucks cheaper than it normally is on the store, and it's something I really want, then screw it. There, once in the blue moon, Cyberpunk was supposed. Cause here's I got the Cyberpunk thing in already. Cyberpunk was supposed to come to me day one physically. Because Amazon, way back when, put it on for $50 as a pre-order. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, 50 bucks for, for a game day one? Why the hell not? And then they were like, actually, it's not probably going to get to you until like a few days after launch. I'm like, well, screw that. Got my refund and bought it digitally. Thank God for the refund from Sony. Thank you so much for that one. That 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 came in handy. But like, if if a deal comes along, physical, I will go. That's why I got the disc version, because there's always that chance that somebody sells it for a ridiculously stupid price, or you get really lucky and you catch the mistake price that's like supposed to be uh, $50, but ends up being 20 and you just snipe it. But that doesn't always happen. But I mean, I leave the opening for physical always, but at this current juncture, unless it's something that I really want and want to guarantee myself to have a shelf life for, I'll just stick to digital because at least it just saves me the trouble. Saves me the trouble going to the post office. Saves me the trouble of having to go see people. Oh, and we had our first issue with friggin' digitals. Hey, sorry, I had technical issues there. I noticed. <laughs> was it just me sitting there ponderously for a while? Just yeah, you, it, lo- it looked like you were really into what I was saying there. Hmm. <laughs> sorry. So last I heard, you were saying that uh, that you had ordered Cyberpunk fifty dollars. They were going to guarantee shipment. Uh, yeah. And then that, that I mean, I mean, long story short, like I'll buy games physically if the price is a lot better. And especially early on when there's definitely not a better price for a while. Like if you put a game on for like 40 bucks that likely on the on PlayStation's digital store is going to stay at full price for a while, then, yeah, I'll go for it. I'll take a run at it. Absolutely. But more often than not, just to avoid having to deal with, you know, 
issues of either having to go to the post office and having to stand in line around a bunch of people or having to go to the mall to go to your local game store and having to deal with a bunch of dipshits at the counter that don't know what they're talking about and you have to stand there and hear some of the dumbest questions. If I can avoid all of that, I'll just stick to digital. I don't. I know 10 years down the road, I'm not going to really miss most of the games that I bought. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I know a lot of people that are going to be really upset with some of the stuff they, they may not... If they forget to re-download them, they may be sad that some games may be lost to them. Most of my library, if it's not sitting on my hard drive, there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to be that hurt about it. And if I'm real, if I know ahead of time, look, let's say, I mean, obviously we don't have this problem now with PlayStation Five being backwards compatible. But if if PS4 games weren't compatible on PS5, I just get another hard drive and just throw everything on separate hard drives just to make sure, like anything I really wanted to play, then I'll do that. I can do the work. It's not that hard. Yeah, I, I see that. I see the argument for digital, and I mean, I I buy games, you know, here and there digitally. But for me, I am still a physical, you know, media person. Um, I love the collecting aspect. Like, I love having a bookshelf full of um, games that I can come back to, that I can lend to friends. I also, I guess, I'm old school in the sense that, like, I like having it in the sense that if I do want to sell it, even for the five dollars, ten dollars, I can get for it. I like the fact that I own it and I can hold it, and really nothing can take that away. Uh, so for me, I, I like that aspect of it. I, I, I don't like it being sort of sitting in this cloud and it could be lost at any moment. Or even if like, let's say my account gets banned or something like that, then it's gone. Um, and to be honest, like that experience that you're talking about of going to ED games and, you know, seeing what they have there. Like, I like that. I like the fact that I can go out and I can, you know, get a deal here or there. Like I find that generally the PlayStation store doesn't usually have a, pr- a price that's competitive when you think about, you know, what you're getting you're getting the exact same product and the only convenience is you don't have to really change your disc when you want to play a different game so for me i i like the physical aspect and i don't when they came up with the digital uh, the digital only playstation that doesn't appeal to me at all do you think that this shift or like this new story is kind of hurting or what do you think the future is going to be for something like the discless ps4 um like once you know down the road like at some point that thing is going to be pretty much this is what you have and that's it you're not going to be able to buy more games it's hard to say because i mean that's a that's a 15 20 year down the road problem we're gonna we're gonna have to think about so it's or, it's, or 11 years according to the ps3 even less for the ps vita i guess so but um i i don't know because i mean it's not going to be a problem that i have it'll be a problem that one of my co-hosts on the vcr podcast has because he's got a disc or a digital version but i mean for the most part by then, I would imagine that we'd have a much clearer picture because now we have the PS3 issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have this current thing now. So we'll see what Sony's, Sony steps are going to be for that. And then after that, we'll have the PS4 as well. So by then, we'll have two generations of, shut, of digital shutdowns to see what are they actually doing? Is there a way to download it still as long as it's tied to your account? Are they going to allow things like I here's a hot take. I think if the digital storefront gets shut down and there's no printed copies to buy from anymore other than the secondhand market, I don't think there's any way that you should as a company be allowed to sue somebody or cease and desist order them if they're doing emulation. I think emulation becomes 100% legal if there's literally no way to purchase the item anymore. Yeah. So no, if it was I, possible I, to just have like modders out there just make a PS3 emulator and just give you the library for that because there's no way to get it other than the secondhand market. The only people that are going to care are the collectors. So for anybody that just wants to play some of these games, emulation should be the way to go. 
And hopefully Sony gets ahead of that by doing it themselves so it doesn't have to be this sort of black market thing. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of wonder, and I'm not I'm not a techie in the sense of I know, you know, backend sort of technology, but I wonder if it's going to be like a larger announcement that like, if this is just a, a like a tip of the iceberg kind of thing where Sony's like, yep, we are getting rid of the PS3 store and we're going to be launching this new universal store. Like I think of like, think about Apple or whatever, like Apple's able to have one, they've had the same storefront in the sense that it's not like you can't buy something that was posted there 10 years ago. It's one ubiquitous store. And I wonder if that's something that Sony, Microsoft or whatever is working on in terms of having one store that's continuous across platforms. And it's not so much platform specific, but just agnostic that you just access the store no matter what console you're on. It'll be interesting. Like the, the honest thing that I hope they do is that they turn around and be like, all right, from now on, we're throwing our entire PS3 library onto PlayStation now. So if you want to play it, it's all there. Worry about it there. We're just shutting down the storefront. So they're, so you just, we won't be having purchases of the games anymore. We're not saving all these things here, but you're not going to lose them. If you want to play them, get PlayStation now and you get that. Maybe that's their strategy because obviously no one's really paying attention to that service. Maybe it's just their way of being like, hey, this is the emulation station. They could even, mm-hmm. they can even call it that. They can call it the emulation station. Yeah. yeah I better trademark it. that shit. There we go. Emulation station. It's now ours. We've got it. Sony, we are happy to discuss royalties if you'd like to. I mean, it's PlayStation now, though. I don't know. If there's going to be a lot of royalties off of that based on their numbers. There you go. There you go. You just change it. It's PS then. PlayStation then. <laughs> just rebrand it. PlayStation then. Don't, don't worry about it. It's not PlayStation now. It's PlayStation then. That'd be amazing to go through all the trademarks and seeing just all the things that we have access to now. <laughs> yeah, we've got it there. Uh, speaking of consoles... Uh, Let's switch over to the next topic. So um, Bloomberg is reporting that there is a possible new Nintendo Switch coming out. So the article reads, Nintendo company uh, plans to adopt an upgraded NVIDIA core chip with better graphics and processing for a new Switch model planned for the year-end shopping season, according to people familiar with the matter. The new Switch iteration will support NVIDIA's deep learning super uh, sampling, or DLSS, a novel running technology that uses artificial intelligence to deliver higher fidelity graphics more efficiently. This will allow the uh, consoles, which also is set for an OLED display upgrade, to reproduce the visuals at 4K quality when plugged into a TV, said the people um, said the people who asked not to be identified because of the plan is not public. Analysts expect the new Switch will be offered at a higher price than the current model's 299 a level unchanged since the Switch's initial release in 2017. Bloomberg Intelligence's math, uh, Matthew Catterman foresees an increase of as much as $100. Uh, they say $349 will, be, will increase the value proposition of the device, but I still think Nintendo can drive strong demands at $399. Adam, do we need a new version of the Nintendo Switch? Um, That depends. That depends on the games they release for it. That's Honestly, that's the answer. If the games that they're coming out with are even bigger and better, if say Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever they happen to call it, is this even bigger like graphics pushing, like super open world, like 60 frames per second kind of game, then sure. But if the library's still not there, then it's just a waste of money. It's that's literally what it is. Yeah, like I, I think about it and I don't know if it's necessary in the sense that are you now removing or making your old or initial Nintendo Switch obsolete. Like, if you have an upgraded Breath of the Wild, 
you know, is it just going to be like, is it going to know automatically or is it going to be um, a thing where the old Nintendo is holding it back? Like the old switches are holding it back. And so for me, I, that raises the question. And if it can do 4k, um, if it can do a 4k thing when plugged into the TV, that's once again, great. But how are we delivering these games? I mean, there's no internal hard drive within a switch. I don't believe. And if you look at something like most games now are 100 gigs, like how big of an SD card are you going to have in your system to download and install a game? And I don't imagine that those chips that they have are going to be as well. So you're not going to be seeing, you know, the newest, you know, you're not going to see the next Assassin's Creed being 4K, 60 frames on a little Switch cartridge. And I don't see how you're going to be able to download it onto your system. So for me, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think Nintendo's in a niche where they don't need to have that 4K resolution. I mean, is anyone really buying the Switch as their main console for third-party gaming? Like, I think you might have some families that are, but I think most of the hardcore fan base or the most hardcore gamers, like, they have that PS5 and the Xbox um, for at the Xbox for their for their hardcore, you know, high-end fidelity graphics gaming. And then the Switch is typically for the Nintendo Switch games, which, to be honest, don't really need to have that amazing graphical fidelity yeah i mean the reality is too that this basically just screams of what the new nintendo 3ds is or what it could end up being is just alienating certain of your certain customers because you know i don't know there was never a situation where like the xbox one x or the playstation 4 pro had a specific game for it they all just ran on them so i mean Mm. if they do something like that where it just it runs better on the new switch then i don't think there's an issue but if it gets to the point that the Switch is so advanced that it can handle certain games better and only those ones are limited to this Switch, that's where the problem comes in. Because mm-hmm. that's the I point agree. where it's like, why wouldn't you just wait until the next generation of Switches where you just go, okay, this is Switch 2 Electric Boogaloo or whatever they end up the calling Super it. Switch. You know? yeah, Super like, Nintendo Switch. If, if you're, if you're going to go for an upgrade, you might as well just wait until you make an actual substantial one mm-hmm. if you're going to make games specifically for it. If this is just an upgrade that just runs it better, a la like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, then I don't think there's an issue here. But if it ends up being that new Nintendo 3DS situation, that's another feather in the cap of a lot of people that have a lot of issues with Nintendo, myself included. And that would this would definitely be one of them. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think if you want to, like, they're talking about the idea that with this new system hardware that you can do the 4K if it's docked into the TV. Why are you making a new switch? Like, make a dock that has that initial boost to it. So, if you did something like, like you know, they they had with like the old Alienware, like the docking boosters. So, you can, if you had like a gaming Alienware laptop that had like a little booster right beside it, that would up the performance. Do that with the docking station. Just come up with a new docking station that upreses your Nintendo Switch games. If you can do that, I don't, I don't really know. Once again, I'm not an engineer. Either way, yeah. it, it just seems like a strange decision to make now because it almost feels like it's being done just because they know how out of how out of the race they are in terms of graphic power. And I know that like that doesn't mean anything for most Nintendo games because let's be honest, most Nintendo games aren't pushing anything. They're not. They're not no. pushing. They're not pushing the boundaries of graphical you know fidelity. That's that's for your games like The Witcher and and things like that. So if you really wanted to just get a just make a new switch then it really should just be like a convenience factor like maybe the screen's even a little bit smaller so it's more like a mobile device to people so they can literally just stick it in their pocket kind of deal like maybe you do something like that 
But if it's literally just to make it run faster, I mean, I hope it just doesn't affect the library at all because the second that happens, that's just going to piss off way too many people and it's just not worth it. Yeah, I, I think that there's a certain level that the the games that they're going to be bringing by having this 4K resolution, like you're not going to be able to get 4K resolution on your handheld, so it's only going to be when you're playing it on your TV. But if I'm by my TV, I'm going to play, like I said, my my other consoles. And so Nintendo's in a sweet spot where they're not really having to compete with um, Sony or Microsoft. They have their own market. They, well, they've got their own market and they've got their own style. Like no one's expecting Mario to have hair physics on his mustache like it's a cartoon we know what it is and it's a it's an awesome aesthetic and it looks great you don't need to have that you know battle for you know act, like you don't need to have the battle for for performance and, and like quality in that sense like, like the only series that's main to them that could possibly push it would be metroid and apparently they have no interest in making them because metroid prime 4 has been a rumored thing as long as half-life 3 at this point so yeah agreed seems like they're and not I interested think- in making it either so <laughs> i think i think that's a good point that you brought up earlier too is that what is this going to do for things like quality of life i mean you're going to have a situation like i imagine that an oled screen and a more powerful chip is going to eat the battery faster and like i think that's not what people are clamoring for what people are clamoring for is they want a battery life that lasts they'd like they want um, to literally be able screen. to take that thing to like work with them and play it all day if they could yeah yeah and that's those are the quality of life improvements that i think people want it's not necessarily that it needs to be more graphically powerful and like i said even if they do get it that you can run like the latest you know ubisoft or the new latest you know if you could run cyberpunk 2077 on there um the problem is is that how are you going to fit it on that console like there there's not the memory for it unless you're gonna have one game and that's all you play it's it's almost screaming of like what you see now in the mobile market where there's just a new phone every year it just it seems like a case of Nintendo may just be giving a small upgrade to just make a lot more money off of their fan base that will buy it. Because in a weird way, I'm not surprised by this because I do look in a lot of Nintendo fans as being the same as what you look at with Apple fans who they just religiously buy everything that they pop out, right? So there is the possibility that they could see just an open market just be like, hey, if we throw this next $400 piece of tech in, they'll eat it up. They may not even have to make like substantial improvements. No, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I, I think it, it, it is a situation where, you know what, Nintendo, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they were able to see with, you know, the PS4 Pro and the Xbox Series X or whatever, um, you know, those, you know, four, like, those 1.5 versions, like they saw how it worked. And I'd imagine that they would, if they were smart, uh, do it similar to how they did it, where it's, yes, you can still play the same games. It's just going to, Boost the performance, boost the fidelity. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I think what people really need right now from Nintendo is not a new Nintendo Switch, but they just need more games on that system. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, as somebody on the outside, who I, every time I keep thinking about buying a Switch, something else happens where I'm just like, I, I can't, I can't. There's no way. And every time it always comes back to, oh yeah, if I want to play anything that I want on that console, it's going to cost me $70 no matter what. So why yeah like literally if i if i could get a switch at let's say the 400 dollars price tag that is here in canada and then i know that i can get zelda for 20 mario odyssey for 20 fire emblem three houses for 30 etc etc then maybe i do it but because it's still costing me full price to buy the console and then likely at best 10 to 15 dollars off to get all the games <clears> i want 
Yeah. Four, like three, four years later, I might be hyperbolic a little bit, but I think most of them are like that. Where it's just like, it's, as somebody who already is, is struggling to make ends meet as it is, I don't need to be making it harder. And I imagine it's like that for a lot of customers too, because they're sitting there being like, man, I want to play more of your stuff, Nintendo, but you're making it really hard when you're pricing me out of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, there's really no reason to jump into a Switch now or in two years from now or, you know, ten two years ago because the price is the exact same. Like, you want to buy, like, Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda are, what, two, three years old now? And they're the exact same price they were when they came out. And I get that Nintendo likes to keep their price to a certain level. And I get that it's a way to kind of keep that, you know, certain expectation of quality. But... Let's be honest, it's an old game. At like this no, point. most people that are buying it don't care anymore. They all have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Like how many how many sales are you still getting uh, you know a month for this game? Everybody who buys a Switch. That's that's yeah, kind of what they're figuring. They they it's like you're going to have to buy these games cuz that's the best ones. So we're going to keep it at that price. It's a, it's a good strategy if you're if you got your core fan base is just going to be loyal to death. But the reality is, is it keeps a lot of people out because that's does, that's what sure. keeps me out because it's not it's not four hundred dollars for the console. It's a minimum six to seven hundred dollar commitment if you want to get a decent library. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I have a switch out here and I barely play it and I see these games co- that come out and I'm like, oh, this looks awesome. But I want to pay 80 bucks for another. Nintendo you just pray game. that it gets that it gets put on other consoles eventually. Yeah, but the thing is, the only the only games that I really want from Nintendo are the Nintendo games. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think that I, I don't think that people are buying Nintendo switches to play the newest, greatest, you know, most technologically advanced games. And I don't think you need uh, a new Nintendo in order to play their classics. And that's, I don't really know what this is necessary necessarily for. I don't see the quality of life improvements that we typically want. That's why the more I think about it, it just feels like an iPhone sort of level thing where it's just like, here's the next new switch. Come buy it. Exactly. I mean, we'll certainly so, know if they, apparently it's, it's supposed to launch alongside a bunch of new games to which I say, well, you got a little bit of time to get going there, Nintendo. Cause it doesn't look like there's a whole lot coming. Cause you haven't had anything coming. No, like I, I think the, the last one was the, was Mario. And then, do we know what the next game is for the Nintendo Switch that's coming out? I mean, Bowser's Fury was that, but the next big one, I don't actually know what it is at this point in terms of like the major, major title. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. I'm trying to think now because I'm trying to like put aside remakes too because yeah. I don't think those should count. Just taking a quick look now. Monster Hunter Rise, which just came out. But that's not Nintendo, right? That's not Nintendo exclusive. Then Pokemon Snap on April thirtieth. I mean, I guess that counts. <laughs> I think that kind be good, of. But then, like, you've got so this so this year you've got Pokemon Snap, Metopia, which I don't see anyone talking about that. Mario Golf. That's probably like Skyward That's probably Sword. the closest thing to a real one. And then you've got Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which kind of count as a remake. And that's about it. So yeah, so me, like, unless, unless they're hiding like a bunch of stuff that they just haven't said yet, it's they, if you're if you're bringing out a new console soon, you you might want to pump up the library a little bit more there because it doesn't look that impressive for anybody who doesn't already own all the games they want for it. No, I think that's a very fair point. If you're going to try and sell this console, like one of the problems that people have had with the Switch is that there's no games on it, and now you're saying, "Hey, double down and buy a bigger console." Why? Like, 
So we'll see. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else you want to wrap up for the Nintendo? I mean, anything that would not get that would not get me in trouble with fanboys and have them yell at me at Twitter for the next few days. Nah, I'm good. Um, all right. So we've already talked about rumors for PlayStation. We've talked about rumors for Nintendo. Let's talk about Microsoft rumors. Uh, probably the biggest story I would argue um, of this week so far is the rumor that Microsoft is looking at buying Discord. Um, So this is coming from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. So Microsoft is allegedly in talks to purchase Discord, the gaming-focused chat software, for over 10 billion U.S. dollars. As reported by Bloomberg, these discussions appear to be early as there's no imminent deal on the horizon. Furthermore, one source said that despite these talks, Discord may be more likely to go public than sell itself. While Microsoft is one of the potential suitors, Discord has been in discussions with Epic Games and Amazon. VentureBeat first reported that Discord, the company with roughly 141, sorry, 140 million monthly users that recently raised 100 million at a $7 billion valuation, was exploring a sale worth more than $10 billion. Discord was said to be the one who reached out to Microsoft to gauge interest in a potential sale, and that Xbox Phil Spencer has been part of these chats. While purely speculation, it's important to consider how beneficial having a service like Discord could be to the future communication on the Xbox platform. Adam. Where do you want to start with this one? Do you want to talk about why Microsoft wants Discord? Why Discord may want to go to Microsoft? What the future is? Where do you want to go? I want to go with the direction of please don't let that be true because if that means Discord becomes an Xbox-only thing, my entire world gets screwed up if Discord gets taken off PC. Now, I don't think Microsoft would do that. I think they would keep it on PC because obviously... If they, if they suddenly said this is an Xbox-specific platform, oh my god, Discord just drops in stock massively immediately. But it also takes yeah. away the possibility of Discord being neutral and then being able to be something on PlayStation as well, which I kind of really want. I would love to have Discord capability on PlayStation, like, re- really, really badly. But um, it's, it's as a whole, I don't, the more I think about it, the more I don't hate Microsoft potentially trying to buy it, if that was ever the case. Because there are worse people. You mentioned two of them, Epic and Amazon. I would not want either of those two to have it if I had to choose between the three of them. So I would rather get yeah. Microsoft. And it's especially not a company like, say, Tencent, who I don't want to touch anything with a 50-foot fucking... Actually, not 50 feet. That's way too short. With a 50, I don't know, uh, planet foot pole. Are we talking like a super giant or are we talking like a, like, like a, like a Pluto-sized planet? Well, Pluto's not a planet, so that doesn't count. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> but no like there are worse options i mean obviously i wouldn't want apple touching that crap either but um either way i don't like the idea of monopolization to begin with so i mean when it comes to discord being bought by anybody i don't like it because i can't stand the fact that so many services are owned by like this like a few tech giants i don't like that shit at all because it just ends up being an endless cascade of, of things being just ripped apart just to try to make an, a couple extra bucks, right? Yeah, so let's let's dial it back one sec. So why do you think Microsoft is eyeing or would consider buying Discord? What do you think their end goal would be? <sighs> That's a tough question. I wonder if it literally just comes down to just filling out the roster so they just they have ownership of a lot of things and just can try to find ways to make money around it. Although Discord's really beefed up its services a lot that it probably does offer a lot of really interesting things. Like you could make a pretty decent video chat service on Xbox. If you use discord, um, obviously the very, you can make a podcast on discord. Yeah, basically just saying, I mean, there, there are a lot of things not to mention like 
game sharing that people can do because you can screen share and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of options you could do with it where you don't have to build your own service for it anymore. You can literally just mooch off of what they've done and just kind of take it over. So, I mean, it's, it's, if, if Microsoft was ever to buy it, it would be one, just to say it's theirs. And then two, because it's a lot of work that they don't have to do anymore. If they want to put it into something like say Xbox, for example. See, for me, I, I think the reason Microsoft might go for it is that like, it makes sense. If you think about where Microsoft is heading with game pass, like, it's the idea that your your access to the game is not necessarily through a console and it doesn't necessarily have to be through Xbox Live to talk with your friends. But if you have a buddy playing a game through Game Pass on the PC, one on the Xbox and one on their phone, Discord suddenly becomes a good viable way of just having everyone connect through this one server platform. And I think that might be where they're going with it. If you think about it, most gamers on PC are using Discord. It'd be a natural fit for them to have Game Pass on PC and then have Discord be a way to bridge Microsoft Xbox with Game Pass on PC. I mean, it's it's complete as biased or complete bias on my point where it's just I like it. I like it being neutral as it is because it's been an amazing platform as it as it's been already. The second it goes to somebody else, now Microsoft could be really cool and just just completely be hands off on it and just let Discord keep doing what they're doing. But then they could also be like what a lot of other companies do, which is take it over, throw it in their stuff, don't really put a lot of work into it, and just try to make it barely work on on whatever platforms they want and then they do a couple of things to start making it more pricey like maybe they start charging you to use like specific server thing like tasks maybe maybe things like video chat are, are put behind a paywall maybe there are ads they somehow stick into discord which would be a huge pain in the ass for for what the service is so there's a lot of routes that it could go and i think that's why a lot of people got their guard up when they saw this story myself included I think it just really comes down to why would they use it? And as soon as they come out with those intentions, if they were to buy it, that would really tell us right away, like what exactly we're, we're coming to expect. But I mean, they've done, they've done things like buying GitHub and LinkedIn and have been completely fine. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think the the way that they're going is, is to have that unified communication platform. I do want to bring in one thing that I read uh, when I was looking this up on CNBC and they were talking about, how Microsoft at one point was looking at buying TikTok. Um, they were looking at buying TikTok for $30 billion when Trump was like making it seem like he was going to ban it because it's related to China or something like that. Um, and they eventually backed out. So it could be a situation where Microsoft is looking f- to get into a social media platform and they might look at making Discord sort of a gaming-centric social media platform. I mean... Or just it- a social media platform in general. It depends because I mean, Discord only just recently moved away from the we're the gaming like voice chat platform to we're the come here to voice chat platform. <laughs> so it's it would be really funny if as soon as Microsoft bought it, it became the gaming platform thing again. That'd be kind of a that'd be kind of comical in a way. But I mean, the service is, it has been beefed up so much that I think that you can pretty much do nothing to it and just buy it and having it under your umbrella and just coast with it. Yeah, I think I think it might also just be a situation where you think about who might be some, who might be some of Discord's biggest competitors, and it's you know, it's Skype and like. Is it um, though? I mean, what other what other? I mean, it's basically online? Zoom at this point, right? Yeah, maybe Google Hangouts, but not really. Yeah, I mean, I it's pretty much like, Zoom at this point. Yeah, so maybe it might be something that Microsoft wants to recapture that area that they had. So because they screwed up Skype so badly, yeah, that that would yeah, make pretty sense. Much, yeah. 
Pretty much, yeah. Do so, you remember when Skype used to be a big deal? I almost forgot that I used to use Skype. I remember when ICQ was a thing, buddy. That's I'm true, too. That old. Yep. Oh, yeah, no, yep. MSN Messenger and, and Yahoo Messenger oh, and AOL I was, Messenger. I was You're like, yeah. raised on the streets of MSN Messenger. Yeah. And putting in those cheesy song quotes and, you know, uh, like... Oh god! Nudging people and everything. Yeah. Thank God I don't keep screenshots because the amount of cringe that was probably my status as an MSN messenger. Good oh, lord! They're all they're they're none of us got out of MSN messenger without at least one or two cringe. One or two. You might want to add zeros to those, my friend. Yeah, that's true. It was <laughs> it was pretty cringe back then. But like, oh man, MSN days were the best. Until it went away, and, and then we thought, it, then we get... thought it would never be good again. And then Skype happened, and we're like, "Okay, this is where it gets amazing, and it's never going to get better." And then that sucked, and we're like, "Now what?" And then Discord came and hold my beer, and we're like, "Yay!" And then Microsoft was like, "All right, we're going to possibly take that back now because Skype sucks. <laughs> we're coming back full circle." All of a sudden, Discord gets renamed to MSN Messenger 2.0 <laughs> just to fuck with everybody. Yeah, MSN Discord. And then we'll there be like, go. "Wait, when did when when did Microsoft buy MSN?" And you just see the story now. <laughs> and then Disney yeah. will buy it in two years and then we'll be back to where it always is Adam what do you think the chances that this is actually going to go through um, this discord deal uh, maybe like 10-15% probably yeah I I, I don't th- I think there's probably chats about it but I think discord at this point is such a I was going to say do you want to say chats or video calls yeah I don't know <laughs> I, I, I think I think regardless that this is just Discord is such is such a behemoth now and is such a staple to the internet community that I think they could do fine just doing it on their own and just, you know, like they said, go do an I what is it? Initial product IPO, initial purchase order or whatever, and just become a publicly traded company if they want to do it. Like they're they're fine. They don't need they don't need Microsoft. Yeah, I I don't think Discord is some like small known thing out there. Like what's like realistically, what's the what's the next thing to Discord? Most people would just if 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 they're aware of it, it's probably like Slack or like Microsoft yeah. Teams. Yeah. Maybe that's it. They just want Discord to be Microsoft Teams now. That would be hilarious actually. Only only because like how many workplaces do you think have banned Discord? Yeah. And just, for sure. So that that would be kind of like that would be funny. Yeah, we're now using Discord, guys. My Microsoft Discord. What? Well, you, you you already got an account there, Kellen? Yeah, yeah, I got an account already. Don't worry. It's like I'm a gamer. What did you expect? <laughs> For sure. Uh, anything else you want to chat about with regard to uh, Discord? Uh, it's all speculation at this point, so it's kind of really hard to make a judgment call. I mean, it just comes down to, like, like I said, I don't like monopolization. So whenever I see things going on sale, possibly, I'm like, no, don't stop. Why does everybody have to own everything? Stop. Like, geez, yeah, I, like the fact, like we have things like Disney owning Fox. Like, what the hell is going on? Disney is going to own everything. Just give it time. No, I, no, I don't want. I don't want. No, I, I don't. I don't want Disney, Taco Bell, NASA. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty much going to be Disney, PepsiCo, and something else. Oh, it's going to be at least like one Chinese company, probably. Nestle. Yep. For sure. Nestle has um, sole leadership over water. God help us. Yeah. Yeah. We all have to pay our dues to Nestle in order to get Wait Nestle pure life. More like Nestle pure garbage. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the uh, $7 billion valuation for Discord? I mean, I'm not a business I have no no experience in that, so I mean it's it's a number to me. I'm just like that's more than I will ever make in my life, so or more than making a, a thousand lives probably. 
I can see it, but like, I guess my question is like, where does Discord's revenue come from? And you might know this more than I do. Nitro specifically, like, and then I'm not sure where else it comes from, but mostly Nitro. Yeah, just because like, I, I mean, I think most of the uses like I've never paid a dime into Discord. I've considered getting Nitro like a bunch of times, and it just every time I do, be like, am I really gonna pay five dollars a month just to have a couple of extra features on my server? Like, why? Yeah. But I mean, if you, if you own like a really big server and there's specific reasons why you do it, then I guess it works. But for most, for the most part, if it's just a chat server, like who cares? I guess it's a fair point. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts on this one? Nah, just please don't let it happen. I don't want, I don't want another monopoly of something. I bet it's not going to happen. I think we're sick of this podcast. It has this day as it is. Yeah. I, I, I've talked too much shit about Microsoft and put up Sony way too much for them. Well, that's, to, that's, uh, that's why you got cut out a second ago. They heard you. They, knew, was they knew it yeah. was coming. Yeah, for sure. Um, Adam, anything you mentioned that you had a untimely review for us. Did you want to do it today or do you want to save it for next week? Oh, it's probably the most timely review I've had because it's probably the quote unquote newest thing I've played that I'm going to review on here probably. So, all right. Even though, even though technically it's a 10 year old game. You know what? That's why they're untimely reviews. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are new here, uh, Adam and I are too broke and not connected enough to, uh, dedicate our time to playing the newest games when they come out and have the reviews ready for you for release day. So we bring you untimely reviews. We just kind of talk about the games that we play and what we finish when we finish them. And if you haven't checked it out yet, maybe it's worth checking out. And if you've beaten it, you can kind of compare and see how your opinions compare to ours. Uh, Adam, what untimely review do you have for us this week? So since I started streaming, I needed something to play. So I was like, what am I going to start off with? I considered playing Ghost of Tsushima when I still hadn't thought about dropping it. And then I'm like, wait, I already don't like this game. Should I really make my first game stream a game that I'm already struggling to play? That's probably a bad idea. So why don't I start with something that I knew I was going to like? And I've already played Saints Row 3. So I figured, well, if you're going to release a remaster and I've heard great things about the remaster, made sense. Okay, I'll go. I'll get a nostalgia trip. I'll get a kind of new game and I'll get to play through that again. And it's super funny. So it's perfect for a game stream. And then I learned immediately, oh yeah, 10-year-old games are pretty archaic in terms of its controls. Oh, this is this is not what I remember when I first played this when I was like 22 or 23. It's still a great game. Like I played through it. A lot of the re- the things they did in the remaster are pretty nice. Like the character models are completely changed over. It some of them are jarringly different, some of them are just, you know, it's just nicer. So I mean, in terms of how it looks, it looks amazing in comparison to what it did 10 years ago. But it's still a 10-year-old game, and it shows that age because the controls are a bit wonky. The thing was buggy as hell. It's an open-world game, naturally, so there's a lot of crap that goes wrong. You get stuck in walls. Things just suddenly don't work. The AI is just unbelievably horrendous. Like, oh, my God. Trying to get into a car and getting them to follow you is like pulling teeth. I'm literally watching, like, everything else come towards my car except the one AI who's holding his gun running in circles because there's that one person that's in his route that just makes him go, I can't go this way, I can't go this way, I can't go this way, and just endlessly does nothing. And you just sit there staring at the screen being like, please, I'm going to die. Get in the car. Now, is that an issue of like the remaster and how the remaster was made? Or is that an issue? No, it was it was an issue in the original game. Okay. Too. It's just the fact okay. that it's 10-year-old AI and... AI is yeah. still pretty bad now, but it was even worse then. <laughs> it's not good now, but it definitely wasn't good then. But in terms of like the actual game itself, like there were a lot of moments where 
I reminded myself of why I liked it. And then there were a lot of things of reminding me why I didn't like there's there. There's definitely a point in this game where I kind of came to a realization that uh, I think I might be getting burnt out on open world games because <laughs> even even when this game is much shorter and I could just go through the missions, there are still some missions that are just dry as hell. Some of the mini games are not that fun. Like there's one called insurance fraud where all you got to do is just get run over by cars and try to chain cars together that you get hit by to increase the money that you're getting for it. The problem is, is the way that it's designed control wise is so horrible. Like you hold the triggers down to fall and then you weirdly glide in the air and you have to control with the control stick or the, the analog stick. And it isn't like very strong. Like you think you've gone really far, but then if you try to go back the other way to correct course, the correct the course, you you just go too far again because it's just it's not reading properly. So it's a pain. There's some game modes where it's just like surviving waves, but the problem is is they give you like weapons that are not very good and the control like because the controls are a little bit archaic doesn't work that well. And then there are just side missions where most of it is sitting in a car waiting for your AI partner to get his ass back in the car so he can drive you all around the map while you shoot with a pistol because that's the only weapon you got that's decently accurate in a car. And you basically never shoot anything, so you're wasting your time hitting just the the trunk, like the, the windshield of a car over and over again and not hitting anything. And then you sit there, you get absolutely bombshelled by stuff, and then you're just waiting for him to get back in the car again. Like, there's some frustrating stuff. It still makes up for it by having some of the funniest banter, some of the greatest jokes in there, and some of the wackiest stuff in there. But it's also a 10-year-old game, and it kind of showed its age. And by by the time I was done playing it, I'm like, I really could have gone without playing this, actually. I didn't so hate my like- time with it, but I also thought I could have just played this for free and felt the... I could have just gone back and played the original and gotten exactly what I wanted, and it wouldn't have cost me a dime. So my question to you is, I've never played the Saints Row games. I've heard of them. It's just not something I've never gotten into. Is it worth, like, someone who doesn't have that nostalgia to go in and play it, or is it going to be kind of... Oh, for if you're a first-time player, I'm... it's so much better. Cause oh, okay. now, Because cause basically it's GTA on all the fun drugs. That's really what it okay. is. It's GTA, but if you took that kind of game and then just completely made it, like super corny lots of jokes no idea is a bad idea now the original saints row that's a different story the original series was designed to be the xbox's counter to gta and it ended up not doing all that well the first time so the second round they started getting a little more fun with it and then they realized when people started liking that stuff like there was there was this mini game in the second game where it was literally you driving a fucking uh septic truck and just covering buildings in sewage yeah, like I've heard some of the shenanigans of the Saints Row games. Like at some point, you're the president, and yeah, you're, the fourth game, you're the president like, of the United States trying to fight off, and aliens. you're flying like you're fighting people on top of rockets and stuff. Like I, heard, it just goes absolutely bonker, yeah, like yeah. bonkers, yeah, bonkers and bananas. It, it keeps getting uh, crazier and crazier, and then like all the weird things they have in there, like celebrities that just randomly pop in there, like things like that. Hmm. So then, obviously, it's a good it's a good game to jump into for those who haven't played it. For those of you us who have. Is it worth revisiting or now? I mean, I paid 30 bucks for it. I wouldn't say it was worth that. And it's certainly not worth the $60 price tag that you would have paid for it at full price. I think this is like right. a 20 and under game at best. Because it, it's it's an old game with a fresh coat of paint. It really shouldn't be much more than that. Most remasters, like we're not talking remakes. We're talking remasters. Most remasters should never be more than half the price of a full game. Never. Because Agreed. especially if the game's like five plus years old, 
you're not playing a new game. You're playing an old game with a fresh coat of paint, which is not with that expensive. Too. Yeah. So like in the, in this case, like if they did saints row four, same deal, I'd still say the same thing, even though the four is the newest one. It just, it, it's still older controls. Now four is a little more wackier because instead of being a walking, driving gun and shooty guy, you are now Superman with bullets. So it can be a little more fun that way. But I always thought the one thing that Superman didn't have but really needed was a gat. So there we go. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, so, well, you can get double gats or you can get a dubstep gun that just shoots beams of dubstep at people. That sounds terrible. It sounds amazing. That's what that is. <laughs> um, awesome. But no, as as the game itself, it's a fine game. But like I didn't need the more the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I didn't need to play this. I think I played it because. I saw like Digital Foundry's review of the of the remaster and saw like how good a job they actually did a phenomenal job on on remastering the game. They did an overly like excessive amount of work on that game compared to like what a lot of companies do, which is just they up the water physics and like make the lighting slightly better and maybe it's a little sharper. But they went out of their way to make a lot of things very good. It's just the problem is it's they didn't really do anything in the controls to make it smoother, so it kind of suffers at the same time. So it's it's a 7 out of 10 at best because that's pretty... Like, the game back when it came out would have been more like an 8. It just... Now it's 2021 and it doesn't feel like it needed to be at that price like it was yeah, yeah, in the 2011. In- the industry's moved on and it's, it's, a, it's a relic of the past. And yeah. It shows. Which but funny. if you're a first-time player, like I would even just suggest just get the original game because it's probably 5, 10 bucks. So. I know, right. I know the fourth game completely with all the DLC was like 5 bucks on, on PlayStation last week it might still be but yeah like that's worth your money because it's five dollars and it's a lot of stuff and it's a good time especially if you've never played it before but if you've played the game before and you're getting just a fresh coat of paint it's not worth a lot extra sure cool yeah awesome i think that about concludes everything uh anything left on the table you want to talk about before we wrap it up the side note is playing that game on stream is weird because you can't play the music because you don't want DMCA copyright worrying. So yep. playing games without music is very jarring, and I did not like it at all. I got to the point where I put my my background music before my stream over top because I'm like, I need something to listen to. This is so weird. It really tells you like how much music actually adds to an atmosphere when you play a game. Oh, it for sure. really does. Oh yeah, for sure. You, 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 I, I think it's one of those things we take for granted. But like, if it wasn't there, we would definitely notice it. Yeah, like we listen to soundtracks. Like we, everybody knows the Mario theme, but does anybody really know like most of the music from the new God of War game? No, not really. But you don't have to because it just puts you in the moment. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those like. There's a couple soundtracks that you know stick out to me. Like if you think of like The Last of Us is like one for me. Um, Infamous has a pretty good one. Like I sometimes listen to them in the background, but. You know what? This might be a topic that we have to like kind of put a pin in, and we can definitely do it for one of our press pause episodes. Like, probably best game soundtracks. Yeah, that aren't Mario. <laughs> okay, well then, uh, from one to ten, Final Fantasy this, Final Fantasy this, Final Fantasy this. <laughs> Final Fantasy. <laughs> that <laughs> would be most wait. of my list, by the way. If there's one thing JRPGs are good for, aside from you know a lot of good story and 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 character development, uh, goddamn, is it music? Yeah, I try. I tried playing uh, Final Fantasy VII, the remake. I got like I didn't even get past the tutorial. I was like, "This is cool," but I don't feel like spending thirty hours on this. So I'll see how I'll see if I get 
end up getting back to it. But right now I'm playing Hitman. And I'm really into that. So <laughs> you're you're you just, know, you're you just almost, you're into Snap and Necks. That's all you're into. You almost had it, Adam. You almost had me playing a JRPG. I tried. Honestly, it seemed cool, and it might be something I get into later. But right now, it's not. Sooner or later, I'll get you into the weeb train. I'll get you into Persona or something. <laughs> no way, man. No way. Not Persona. I, I have a hard time getting into a 30-hour JRPG. I'm not getting into a 100-hour one. But if, but if I make you like like the characters right off the... Actually, wait. Persona 5's not great. Most of the characters at the start are kind of shit. Never mind. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Let's leave it there then, Adam. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Pixel Play podcast. Once again, if you are new, welcome. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We do this every week. Uh, we post episodes on Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts, um, Spotify, Google, wherever. Uh, and we're also posted on YouTube. So subscribe, like, you know, leave a comment. If you have questions, feel free to email us at pixelplaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, our, internet, our, our socials are pixelplaycast. Um, so follow us there. All down here on the below if you're watching us on YouTube right now. I'm like, wait, I'm um, mirrored. This is wrong. <laughs> they are generally here. Uh, so yes, go in, uh, take a look. We, you know, we appreciate those of you who've been following us from the beginning. Uh, yes, and with that, that's another episode. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great week. Bye for now. <laughs>